I'm Andy. And I'm Jessica. And this is The Coop. You're listening to The Coop Homeschool Podcast. This is your podcast for community, humility, and joyful fun in homeschooling. This is episode 46, Co-ops, part one. I'm Mandy. I'm Jessica. And this is The The Coop. Coop. This is part one of co-ops. What are co-ops? Fun. I love that it's a series. Yes, me too. We like doing our series, don't we? Yeah, we do. (laughs) But before we dive in, let's get some scoop on The Coop. Mandy. Okay, so when this airs, it will this will be way past when it happens. Oh, right. Because you know, we're planners, we yes. do things way ahead of time. Yes. But we just had our Star Wars May the Fourth be with you. <gasps> yes, that's right. And there's a whole blog about it that you can check out on our in our show notes and on our website. And this year was a wonderful Star Wars day. Oh, good. We did the Han Solo game, which is integers, mm-hmm. and that was our math for the day. We did a movie, a Star Wars movie. We listened to, you know, John Williams music all day. We did, uh, um, um, oh, today we did another Star Wars day because it kicks off the space. Right, so right. today we made Jabba Slime. Nice. We watched Solo. We played the Solo game. But then also I have this, oh, we have this maker book, this Star Wars maker right. book. Yeah. And um, what we did was on the actual May the 4th Be With You, we made these orbs and I think in episode one or two, they give these, like, um, they exchange, like, Padme and whoever exchange a peace orb. Ooh. So they, sh- they tell you how to make it using a balloon with ice. Oh, yeah, I saw your pictures. And then you poke a little hole and you pour, pour out the non-frozen water. It takes, you have to plant it for a nine-hour freeze sure. time. Okay. And then you put in a bunch of glow sticks. And it's so pretty. That's super rad. Yeah, so that was really fun. But I love this maker book. I feel like we're finally getting old enough where we right. can start doing these more complicated crafts. And it's not just me doing the whole thing. Right, them watching you do it. Yeah, and then the Java slime today, just the girls did, and they were really, they they loved it. Super and cool. They didn't like the recipe as much. It wasn't as, you know, uh, stretchy as other slime. But anyway, so it's just a really fun way to do space. They watched all the Mr. DeMeo videos mm-hmm. today um, of all the, not all of them, but all the solar system right. planets. That's so super awesome. Yeah, so that was really fun, and, and we're going to do a couple more days like that and really get good use out of my Star Wars Mad Libs. Perfect. And we, oh, we're almost done reading uh, who was um, Neil Armstrong, the first, you know, the man, the first super man to walk cool. the moon. Were they fascinated about that? Well, they were in the beginning, uh-huh. but the the book isn't most who is or who was books are really interesting and fun. Yeah. But this is pretty dry because it's teaching mm. about NASA mm. and I think they're just a little young for that. And or you have to be really actually interested in space. Yes. And yeah. and it's talking about the Cold War and the Soviets and the cosmonauts. <laughs> the race to the moon. Yeah. Yeah. And and so we just have three little small chapters left. But then, oh, and also we did this really awesome book. It's called The Sky Above Me or something. Mm -hmm. And we'll put the link on the show notes. It's amazing. We probably spent 45 minutes just on this picture book alone because it starts off in the city. And then you look up. And then you look up the city skyscrapers and the windows. And then you look up at the helicopter pad. And then you go... It's six miles up, and then it's another 12 miles up. And, you know, you go to each level of, like, the the atmosphere and whatever. 
and you go all the way into outer space and the whole thing ends up folding out and is about eight feet long. That's wild. It's really cool. It's gorgeous art and, you know, painted and really, really, really pretty and fun to look at. And we only did one whole side of it. We have a whole nother side to do. That's super cool. Yeah. So it's a fun. So, and that was a lot of the learning, the content. Awesome. Yeah. So there we go. All right. What about you? Uh, Well, tomorrow is going to be Sophia's first day of horseback riding. Oh, it's happening. It's happening. I knew I hadn't told you yet. (laughs) So I wanted to see your real response, but I took her to a um, horse riding ranch last week to check one out that came highly recommended to us. And if you follow the podcast or know me at all, you know, this has been on her wish list for years. So now she tells everyone, finally, it's only been five years. So (laughs) we have to work on controlling that a little bit, but yes. So, um, I took her today to get riding boots. Um, cause I didn't know she would start tomorrow. I got a text from the, the instructor today. Um, confirming that she could do Tuesdays and that tomorrow would be the day. So, okay. yeah, so we're looking forward to it. Um, it's five minutes from my sister-in-law's house where we already are every Tuesday and Friday. Um, and, yeah, I think she's I, – I just feel like she really – It'll be good for her, you know, yeah. um, it'll be like equine therapy. You know, I think that she just really, she's so funny. She's kismet with horses. You know, That's she, really cool. she doesn't need the instant gratification. She doesn't need them to love her. Yeah. She's fine to work on that relationship. Um, but I think that's because that's how she is. That's so cool. And yeah. I, I actually love that she's older because when yeah. you're younger, they can't really do that much with you. Right. And when I see older kids now, not older, older, but, yeah. you know, her, around her age getting horseback riding lessons, I'm like, wow, they're already getting to do that. That took us like five months to get to do. Right. But that's because my kids were too young, really. Right. And so that's that's why we're actually going tomorrow um, is, I think, to get her acclimated to this ranch and how to get her horse set up and to do all of that. And then she'll, I believe, she'll be joining a group lesson that's already in place on Fridays. How but fun. she just wanted to get her all kind of acclimated to Awesome. It. Yeah. So that's very exciting. All right. So this is co-ops part one. What are co-ops? What are they? Well... By definition, a cooperative, also known as a co-op, is an association of people that are united voluntarily to meet their goals. So you've heard of um, co-op grocery stores or co-op restaurants and these kinds of things. Oh, yeah, the Mm -hmm. farming co-ops and stuff. Yeah, and um, even REI is considered a co-op. What? You you buy into it. So you can buy an REI membership, and essentially you have – anyway. So a cooperative, while I'm not volunteering, you know, the idea of it is that multiple people have a stake in it, and that is what drives them to meet their goals – and drives it to meet the needs of the people involved. Um, so when we're talking about homeschooling, we're talking about co-ops formed by parents or educators with a desire toward meeting a common goal, which is usually educating the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some co-ops, they have different goals depending on the needs of the group, whether it's um, the need for community you know, having a group of people going through life together or whether it's actual outsourcing of um, education or extracurriculars. And so um, it just really depends on the co-op that anyone has choosing to start. Yeah. So um, we're going to dive into what types of co-ops there are. Um, Can we talk about what we like like about oh, yeah. them and what we don't yes, like about them? Of course. Okay, cool. Okay, so... 
this is nothing official. This is what we made up. <laughs> yeah. Because when you... We are search, official, yeah. Jesse. Because when you... Re- yeah, this is according to the Coop Homeschool. Um, when you research it, it just shows you co-ops. There's no official, you know, outline of what a co-op should be and how to do it. So this is just our version of it. So a formally organized co-op is one that the parents all have expectations So when you are a member of a co-op, you are expected to teach. These formal co-ops meet regularly. So they have set days a week or twice a month or whatever it is. They have set meetings. Um, And then if the parents don't volunteer or contribute, there should be some type of equity involved. So maybe the parents who aren't volunteering, they're paying into it. And then of course there's nuance in the types of models. And I know you took a class at a seminar about Mm -hmm. co-ops and what was their advice? So they advise that people buy into it. Right. Even if it was ten dollars for sure. a year, and then you would just put all that money in a account and that would or in your own, you know, pot. pot. And then you would use that for paper goods or or whatever craft supplies. But if people pay then they're more likely to show up. And that's true about anything, really. Oh, totally. You know, if you paid for something, if something's free, you might just say, oh, never mind. Absolutely. And even a a low amount of buy-in, it just feels like you've just committed to something. And while you may be fine to blow off that $10 commitment, it still feels official. You know, they're holding your money and using it for you. And so it feels like you'll be gaining from it. And it's a mindset. Uh, Yeah, and then the other big nugget was learning together right so not just the children are learning together but the the moms or whoever is the homeschool parent is learning together so they're maybe doing a book together or reading an article but something that they can discuss besides like their child right it's something that unites them that that inspires them right so you have a similar energy going towards the kids as you do the adults, Mm -hmm. you know, this idea of growing everybody together. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. And if they have friends there, if the moms have friends there, Mm -hmm. they're more likely to show up. And that's part of the, if they don't know each other, then doing the book club together, the moms or the the article, it does help you to know each other. And we've found that in our own, not although not formal. Right. But, you know, just the more the moms are excited to see each other. Right the more likely we're going to show up. Exactly. So that's kind of formal co-ops in a nutshell. Um, Most of the ones that I've seen are definitely very professionally run. You know, there's definitely definitely commitments and expectations, and I think that's great. I mean, if you want something to work, there has to be some level of of commitment by Mm -hmm. everybody involved, Mm -hmm. um, especially leadership, you know. And so if it's truly a cooperative, the idea is that all parents are leadership, but we all know that, that may not be everybody's strength. And mm-hmm. so many co-ops are run by a number of parents and then other people buy in. And doesn't it seem like the formal co-ops more have like an ongoing curriculum that if you, like I'm just thinking of classical conversations, mm-hmm. but then even one that my friend has, right. they're they're all doing the same science curriculum together and that's their commonality. Right. I think it really depends on the goal. Again, a cooperative is about the, meeting a common goal. So there's some co-ops that only do um, more like extracurriculars or enrichment together. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do the craft or they rotate between a craft or they do more like science lab 
things that you don't do at home or in your Mm -hmm. own, you know, experiences. And so I think that's the fun part about co-ops is that they can be extremely customizable to, to the needs of the people wanting to go in and do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some that are very rigorous that require work at home before coming. So Mm -hmm. it becomes definitely like a school experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it seems like a lot of those of just the people we know meet in the same place every Mm -hmm. week or whenever they meet. Right. Which means they are probably renting a building um, I know there are churches that rent out space mm-hmm. to these co-ops, and so that's really helpful. But typically, that's a reason to have a monetary buy-in is to cover the cost of renting a space. Mm-hmm. If your co-op gets to a certain size, it's not feasible to be hosted in homes or in public spaces. You know, once yeah. you get over 25 people in the same place, it's yeah. quite the gathering. Right. It's not very discreet. Right. Yeah. So that leads us to what we have termed the casual co-op <laughs> and this is what our own coop group is um and we'll share more about how we formed ours in part two so we'll kind of keep the the discussion about our own coop group to a minimum but just describing what this model would look like so the casual co-op was the formal co-op is too um stressful Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I don't want the commitment of, of some of these things. I don't want to be one of only a couple of leaders with all the stress of making sure an entire school year is going to happen. Yeah. And I don't want the expectation of, of either having to go to everything or um, having to lead everything. Mm-hmm. That's and, too much. And I think we're also, both you and I, we're very autonomous in what mm-hmm. we teach our kids. Right. There's not, there. I might overlap like you overlap in the body uh unit study i overlap with the waldeck way sure but we still totally did it separately yeah it it wasn't any it i think we're just um the people we've surrounded ourselves with too we're all autonomous and we we like doing it on our own terms on our own schedule in our own style right it's possible you know that that group will evolve and it'll change and there will be an opportunity to do specific, you know, a biology lab, you know, Mm -hmm. that might be an entire semester or school year opportunity at some point, Mm -hmm. but that wouldn't be what the entire co-op is organized around. So more developmentally specific. So the casual co-op is a group of moms, (laughs) usually moms, a group of families who've come together and they work together to make this fun community. So I would say a casual co-op is more centered around a community and mm-hmm. an intimate group. Um, and less about the rigor and the academics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so it's more enrichment opportunities, field trips, fun adventures, the kinds of things that K through six really thrive on. Mm-hmm. And so that was, you know, one of the the reasons that we came up with our model is just because the formal was too much. We didn't want to lead it, and we didn't exactly want to commit to be in one either. So then, so what are you left with? So yeah. we're left with this idea that most people wouldn't consider a co-op, mm-hmm. except that we have a, a, a group of people that meets regularly, which yeah. is pretty cool. And we're creating these wonderful bonding opportunities yeah. for our children and for each other as moms right. that will hopefully last for decades. Totally. And there's enough space and space and time right. in our co-op meetups mm-hmm. that the kids can navigate social right. issues. They yeah. they do hurt each other's feelings. Sure. They do laugh together. They right. do create together. They right. do explore. So there's enough there that I feel like 
even if we weren't to have anything organized, which of course I love having things organized, at least one activity, if, if we weren't, there's still so many wonderful things happening. Absolutely. And it's because we don't have the rigor and the academics. Right. And without our COOP group, I would just have a few friends that also homeschool. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't necessarily have an actual group of people that I can talk to about home, homeschool curriculums as openly mm-hmm. and as regularly. You know, yeah. we see each other often and we check in and you know, so that's pretty cool. So. I think that's also important too. Like I, I do feel like the people, if, you, if you're only meeting once a month, let's say, and you miss two months in a row, then, and you're not doing independent play dates with people, then you have gone about three or four months right. without seeing people. Yeah. So you won't feel the community, right? You won't feel that connection. And I wonder if the formal co-op is trying to make sure that doesn't happen right. by making you accountable. Right. What's kind of neat about the casual co-op is that all moms are present all the time. No one's babysitting other people's kids. So in formal co-ops, you're usually rotating. So then maybe the moms who aren't volunteering or teaching that Mm. particular day are bonding and being together. But normally, if you've got a drop-off opportunity, moms are out. That's true. You know, that's my my time. You know, I get this one day every two weeks that I'm out, you know, because then the next week I have to volunteer, so mm-hmm. it just depends on on the group and what the expectation is. Some formal co-ops, you might be volunteering every single week, but it's not as free-flowing as a casual co-op could be if designed that way. Right. You know, yeah. while we have people rotating in our casual co-op of who's hosting, mm-hmm. there's lots of time for connection, which mm-hmm. was a goal of ours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... The beauty of cooperative learning is so much of what we've already said. Um, It's just an opportunity to do things that you can't accomplish at home, especially, and I talked about this in our episode about homeschooling a single child, is I can't tally things up like votes unless I do it remotely. You know, she doesn't have the opportunity to poll the people in her home and make something that represents very much at all so doing that with our cat our coop group has been super valuable to us so there's just this beautiful opportunity of cooperative learning mm-hmm. that um well, just, is really valuable just seeing how, how they painted their pots are so different when right. we did the flower potting you know right of course my i don't know if oh you it was dark when you got here but Ours all died. of theirs yeah. died but i think i i think it could have survived if it was wasn't sitting in Direct sun. direct sun, not yeah, getting water. Ours weren't sitting in direct sun. We had to postpone that particular event by a week, but we didn't know it was going to need postponing, so I had already bought the flowers. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that yeah. was part of it. But they still have their pots. Right. And, 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 pots but and everyone painted it differently. Yeah. Yeah. They used different colors. So it was fun to see. Yeah, and they were inspired Abs- by each other. Yeah, yeah, some were totally abstract, mm-hmm. and then some were replicating a garden right. on, you know, on their pots. And-, and they were all sitting at the same table, kids from ages four or three and a half, I think, was the youngest one participating in the painting. Mm-hmm. Three and a half up through 14. 14 yeah. yeah. So that's really a special, unique thing that we have at this moment in time. Right, yeah. yeah. But it's the beauty of cooperative learning, you know, whether it's a mixed age group or more similar ages, just being able to work together mm-hmm. is just a neat opportunity. And as having a six-year-old, having the six-year-old hear the book discussions, yeah. coming kind of coming in and out. I, I'm just thinking of the Beauty and the Beast one. I'm Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Black Beauty. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the Black Beauty one, you were leading it, and right. the probably the 
seven, eight-year-olds and up were standing there doing the discussion right. with the geese in the background. And yeah. then anyone under age eight or seven were running around right. looking at the geese and stuff. And so my six-year-old, she came in and out of the conversation, yeah. but she was still hearing it. She was seeing, okay, this is what is expected as you get yeah. older, this discussion. And yeah. And I think she even answered one or two questions or sure. raised her hand. And she likes talking to me. Yeah. And and that was, you know, and that was good enough. Like right. she got to see what that was gonna look like. So the one room schoolhouse is really highlighted in that Absolutely. situation when you have all those ages of those looking forward and then those older ones looking out for the youngers. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we do have a note of caution from an expert. Susan Weisbauer, who's an educator, writer, historian, homeschooled child and homeschool parent Mm -hmm. who now has adult children, she gives us note of caution on her website about co-ops because she was heavily involved in them as a child. Her mom had her in co-ops and she believes a lot of parents feel pressure to join a co-op. If you homeschool, then you've got to join a co-op. And I think that probably depends on where you live. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't feel like there's a huge pressure down Mm -hmm. in Southern California, but a people lot of are like are begging. People yeah. are, are dying to find one, not because they feel like they have to, but right. they want one. Right. So it's not, we haven't noticed it as a pressure, mm-hmm. but perhaps in other areas it could be, or maybe a decade ago, mm-hmm. that would be more applicable than today. Maybe today yeah. it's definitely just a or thing maybe, you don't want. Maybe if you're part of a, a church or a community right. that has a lot of homeschoolers that already have a co-op. They're trying to pull you in. Yeah. Yeah. And so that would be one of those big formally organized co-ops. So I believe this caution is more about those than they would be a casual co-op, you know, something that's operating truly on a smaller scale and with an understanding amongst the parents a little bit different, you know. I'd, I'd love to hear what she thinks of classical conversations, being that she's a classical approach right. person. She's a classical educator. Yeah. yeah. Um, if she likes classical conversations or not. Yeah, that would if be If that's her caution. Right. So she shares that in her experience and her mother's experience, the formal co-ops were far more work than anticipated. Mm-hmm. You had to prep for lessons. So not only are you homeschooling your own children, but to be a member of the co-op, you had to pull your weight. And so you were prepping lessons for whatever you were either assigned to or volu- had to volunteer for. So you could have a classroom of 25th graders. You know, in these bigger organized, right, (laughs) right. So you're signing up to be more like a school teacher. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, I mean, that's why the formal co-ops are also a turnoff to you and me. Is that's not what we're trying to get into. I don't actually need to replicate a classroom. I like cooperative learning, and I think that those can exist separately. Yeah, you know, and just play right together. And so she said that they gave more to the co-op than they ended up receiving, which are, uh, is what would happen to you people like you and me who are always saying yes, always taking on more things mm-hmm. and making it a good experience for everybody that our personal gain might be a little bit lower. Yeah. In a formal co-op. Right. So, um she and her mother, so Susan Weisbauer and her mother, they both ended up at the end of the day feeling like their time would have been better spent pouring into their own families. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you and I disagree with that right. at all. Yeah, I mean, so, that's why we homeschool. We, right. we don't want to have to school other people's. I mean, I was a teacher. Right. And I don't, I don't want, want do I don't want to teach other people's children. Right. Not in that way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, I'm happy to, in a group setting, walk through a discussion. Right. But more because it benefits 
to yeah. be honest, my kid uh, to hear other absolutely. people. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons that we settled on the model that we did is it felt good and it felt like it wasn't going to take away too much. You know, mm-hmm. there are moments where we're doing a lot, but then it's so worth it at the end of the event. You yeah. Know? And so we're like, okay, that was it. I didn't leave feeling like, well, I don't want to do that again. And as planners and organizers, we think a lot more about the co-op than the co-op thinks about us. Probably. Yeah. So, you know, in business, you always hear it when you're a boss, your employees think about you yeah. all the time, but you are not even thinking of them. Right. And to keep that in mind, for your co-op leaders, we're actually thinking of our co-op right. all the time. Right. We're constantly discussing, planning, looking at the chemistry of the group. Where right. some people are just literally coming, right? And being like, oh yeah, that was a great experience. Right. And that's great. We yeah, need that. yeah. Yeah. But it could be too much for us if we did it on a larger scale or for people we didn't have actual personal intimate relationships with. You know, right. we're doing it for our actual friends at this now, point. Yeah. And so to us, we have at this moment in time, agreed that it's something worth doing. Yeah, and there there have been times where I have been, oh man, I don't know, somebody else needs to lead it next year. And then you get burned out. Yeah, I get burned out. And then a month goes by and or we have a really great co-op event. And I'm like, all right, I have an idea for next year. I'm super excited. Yeah. Yeah. And I think slowly over time, as more parents help out. Right. The burnout is less and less. Right. But could you imagine a formally run co-op? No. Yeah. And then I would I'd be really bummed if someone wasn't pulling their weight. Totally. If I if I spent five hours prepping something and then and I did it multiple times and somebody else didn't have to, I'd be right. like, well then pay me to do your share. Right. Right. Yeah. So there's definitely nuance to all of those. And we're gonna talk more about how you would walk yourself through choosing a co-op model shortly. I wanted to quickly give a shout out to the new 2020, 2021 20, school year. Of, That's a lot uh, of 20. Yeah. Of, um, <laughs> of, uh, of small different styles of co-ops. Mm. So these are just kind of essentially their co-ops, but they've been called pods and micro schools and uh, private homeschool cohorts and these kinds of things. While people did not have the opportunity to be at their traditional public schools, they formed small groups, hired teachers, or the parents created their own co-op. So they would take turns teaching specific subjects because most of these parents were given curriculum by the school. So they were able to do the same thing because that was what they'd already bought yeah. into, you mm-hmm. know. And that, yeah. Right. Well, I um, not to interrupt, but mm-hmm. I know someone in my town right. who her kids have always been in traditional school, but with COVID, she pulled them out. And... She and like three other moms set up a pod yep. in her at her barn. Yep. And they were gonna set up tables and laptops. And the moms were gonna be there to help them through their independent study. Totally. And she was loving it. She was like, We're done by like eleven. Totally. Yeah. And I'm like, I know the yeah. joys of homeschooling. But they were there together. They felt like their kids then were when they would take their breaks, they could play. Right. So I think a lot of people throughout the COVID-19 issue ended up finding that they also were seeking co-ops. So I think people are seeking these opportunities more than they realize um, because we all like community. Yeah. I mean, we're built better. Right. Things feel better when you're going through it with a community. Mm -hmm. And so finding the right community is good. And we've talked about that 
many times yeah. and many episodes. And, well, and yeah. there's some co-ops, like one person I follow on Instagram, their co-op, I think it is literally just two moms, right? And, and it's one has two kids and one has a single child. And the three of them do these amazing right. co-op weekly right. based upon like a book club. And then we have, a, including the babies, 29 kids. Right. And we love that. So, right. I mean, and that still whole... feels small because we have to be exclusive. Yeah. To I be know. that small. You it's, know? Sorry, we're closed right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it, we don't like it. We don't yeah. like having to not let people in. But at the same time, and we'll talk about this more, but this is where we feel comfortable at the moment. We yeah. We know we're going to need more eventually. But right now, this is what seems to suit the group. And coming out of COVID, it was definitely a great year to stay small because we can actually be together. Yeah. The bigger but, the group, the harder it is. But the co-op that has three kids right. thinks of us as huge. Oh, sure. So it's all relative yeah. to oh, what totally. you're doing. and But they're doing them all inside their homes in their little schoolroom. Right. And not out and about at parks and right. Balboa Park and totally. the things that we're doing. Yeah. So if you're looking for a co-op, you have to ask yourself, how do you choose? And so these are the things that you need to look for. Are you looking for play dates and casual friends, right? That kind of will help guide you in the direction you're looking for. Or are you looking for organized events and field trips? Maybe you need both. Mm -hmm. You know, there, mm -hmm. there's the opportunity to build whatever group you want. Yeah. So this is kind of how you choose. Are you looking for cooperative learning opportunities and regular meetings? So mm -hmm. that starts to get a little more in the formal category here. You know, are you looking for classroom-like experiences or are you just looking for organic learning opportunities? Mm -hmm. um, are you looking to work with a small group of families to outsource some educational responsibilities, right? So are you looking to have somebody tutor in math once a week? You know, and so... It depends on the ages of your kids. You know, by the time my kids are in high school, yeah, maybe I do want someone going through calculus with them. I don't know. Or even something like uh, a, a friend of mine did hand quilting. And so once a week, these kids came over to her house. Right. And the moms could stay or leave. And they all, and, and for... 10 months, they ended up all creating a quilt together. Super rad. Yeah. Yeah. And so that would be their little co-op, right. even though it was formed differently. It was a, through a class. Right. Exactly. But it was just in someone's home. Right. And those kids probably bonded. And so it yeah. just depends, you know, if, if you're looking for community, then you probably want to join a co-op that is more hands-on with all the parents, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but if you're just looking for cooperative learning for your kids in a formal co-op where you're either buying in and, and just sending them to it, that might be enough. Yeah. There's those ones on on Facebook that people are saying, I want a nature group. Who right, wants right. a nature group? I'd love to know what those are doing. Or yeah. If they're doing... Like it's a hike once a week or if it's a Charlotte Mason curriculum that they're going through. Right. It could either be the Charlotte Mason, um, the, and it's the, what is it? The one our friend uses, the Nature with Children one. Oh, Exploring Nature with Children. No, yeah. is that directly from Charlotte Mason or is it, that just It is just a, inspired yeah. by? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Wild and Free Communities yeah. because now they're helping people start their own Wild and Free Communities. Oh. Mm -hmm. So I know a friend of mine in... Um, up north, she has a wild and free group that she created. So it's essentially a co-op, but they're doing, they're following more of the wild and free model. Oh, cool. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with wild and free, wild and free is 
um, a lifestyle or like a yeah. homeschool philosophy? Well, I know they have a craft book because right. it's super cool. Right. Everything they do is really beautiful. Yeah. They have um, conference that yeah. they do. So mm-hmm. they have their wild and free conference. Oh, they have a, a whole conference site right. in some... Oh, yeah, Farm location. State. Yeah. yeah, where yeah. you can go. Because mm-hmm. I was looking it up it. for us to go to, but right, I was yeah. like, oh, that's a plane that's a flight. Pro yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really awesome. I love their philosophy, but it's not one that I'm 100% bought into, you know, and can do away with it. We're too eclectic. Oh, yeah. We want a little I, bit of we everything. Find, we like everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I'm not 100% bought into it, but they're, they're an amazing resource. And then Wild and Free is a book written by Ainsley Arment. Mm-hmm. So we'll link that in show notes for you as well in case it piques your fancy here um and then the next big thing is how do you find an already existing group Mm. and let me tell you facebook is just the place it is (laughs) between the facebook homeschool groups um that you can ask in you you ask yeah you can look for ones in your county yep in your city right by interest by age group they're just ask Mm-hmm. It's constantly being asked on the Facebook homeschool pages. You know, I'm looking for something and mm-hmm. people are answering in the hundreds, you know. So it's really cool that people are so interested in spreading the word and helping build community with one another. Yeah. It's really a neat um, place to be. And then um, I feel like homeschool moms feel like they have so much to give yeah. in ideas and advice and direction. And and there's such a wealth of knowledge that Facebook does give them that opportunity to share with you know oh, totally. these rookies or or newbies or yeah or people trying yeah. a new approach hundred you know? percent yeah I I think that it's very opportunistic you know mm-hmm. there's just so much ability to find what you're looking for because you'll be adopted right in yeah and for those who don't do social media that would be a little tougher but I mean you could even just join for five minutes and find your group that way and then move on yeah the other way would be to base be searching through a community you're already a part of so Mm -hmm. if you are a member of a church that's a great opportunity ask the church ask other homeschoolers you could ask the children's director actually a lot of times the children's director or youth ministry director knows certain families are homeschooling Mm -hmm. and then can direct you to them right Classical Conversations, if you like the classical academic model, Classical Conversations, you can buy into their curriculum, and then you have that already formally organized meeting going on. Um, But that's definitely a curriculum Mm buy-in. So if you want to be a member, you have to have your kids following that curriculum. Otherwise, the the time together is not fruitful. And if you go to a homeschool conference, you can actually go to the Classical Conversations. They always have a booth there. Oh, totally. And you can leave through the curriculum. You can talk to them about it and find out more about it and how it is before you actually buy in and dive in. Totally. And then on our Homeschool Hub page, um, I actually have a link to different homeschool organizations within each state. So within those homeschool organization websites, they'll be able to refer you out to different co-ops. So they'll let you know what co-ops are in your county or in your local area. Um, And so then you can reach out to those co-ops and see if they're taking new members. Yeah. Yeah. And then how do you create a group? That one is super fun. I mean, one of the biggest things is to define what you're looking for. So did you ask yourself those questions? You know, are you looking for something formal or casual? Do you want play dates or do you want academics? You know, and then find other people. And how regular. Right. And how regular do you want the meetings? And then find people who want to do the same thing. 
So define what you're looking for, a community co-op, micro school, reach out to your network in search of people who want to commit to the same thing, elect a leader or two to ensure there's an organization to it. Oh yeah, you definitely need a leader. And yeah. here's some more tidbits from that class yeah. that I was at. <clears throat> it's helpful if you have more than one leader. Yes. Otherwise, you will feel alone and people will almost feel like, could feel like you're dictating to them. Right. Whereas if there's two or three, you you can definitely, you have a, a mini community within exactly. that community. Right. And was did they suggest the optimal number was three? Yeah. Because then you have a tiebreaker. Right. I remember you saying that. Yeah. So that's very interesting. You know, you want the leadership and ideally you would still have very involved parents coming into the group as well mm -hmm. and then over time other leaders will rise up you know so hopefully the 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 tides change with the changes of the group and it's mm -hmm. not one person running it the oh, yeah whole time. and yeah different people can have different roles right too. yeah mm -hmm. yeah so and then plan events make things happen mm -hmm. somebody has to be a doer in your group mm -hmm. and so you got to just get things going even if they're not successful things it helps you know what to do differently next time oh, yeah, totally. yeah i mean so, i i think we've been experimenting every year for oh, the for past sure. three or four years yeah so it's just a great opportunity to create a very customized community you know we have a, a greater community that we're a part of individually but then having this co-op community it's just been such a blessing to it us is, yeah yeah and so that is what we're going to share in part two in our next podcast episode we're going to share all about our casual co-op our coop group um so let's jump into our segment the coop, coop q a, &A. <laughs> today's question is how many days a week do you do schoolwork Ooh, how many days a week do i do schoolwork um, so I'm going to define yes. schoolwork okay. as textbooks or assigned work right? or like my dailies or non-organic learning. Yeah. Non-organic learning. I typically would say two days a week, maybe three if I'm like <gasps> pushing, we have yeah. a unit study and we're, we're going to do it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, this week today was Star Wars Day. This is a Monday. Tomorrow we're going to do some Star Wars Day, and they have an enrichment thing for an hour online. And then Wednesday we'll probably do – oh, and they have some Saturday's testing again they have to do. So, um, but, yeah, so they'll totally probably do that. that. And yeah. then um, – Totally doing schoolwork all week. Yeah, usually Thursday and Fridays, though. Yeah. It, Thursdays, there's not much at all. And right. then Fridays, we probably usually fit in some things. Yeah. So probably two to three yeah. days on average. And then every once in a while, maybe. Yeah. And that's not even a day. It's a couple hours. Right. Yeah. I'm totally that person that says, why are you calling it schoolwork? Yeah. Can you oh, just yeah, say totally. like, <laughs> educational opportunities? Because yeah. we do that seven days a week. Yeah, exactly. We do. <gasps> but that's the pretentious answer that I won't give you. Um, but I agree with Mandy. I think... Essentially, I do two to three days where we actually touch curriculum mm -hmm. and it's not just kind of um, organic or, um, or self-directed yeah. Yeah, or enrichment, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I think our Thursdays are, are quite enriching. Oh, you totally. know, they take a music lesson together, they uh -huh. write songs together, mm -hmm. you know, and they edit movies or yeah, whatever. Yeah, they're writing yeah. books right now and right. having each Cross other reading. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's really neat. 
And I would definitely say that that's all educational, but it's not assigned schoolwork. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter actually said, did you read your daughter's um, book? And I said, well, she didn't, she didn't ask me to read it. So I'm, I'm not going to, it's for you. And, and she said, it's really good. Oh, that's so yeah, cute. Yeah, yeah. So she really wanted me that's really sweet. To, to read it. And I just thought, oh. She was really excited about her friend's Aww. book, you know. That's cute. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll have to get them having a conversation about that. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, we want to answer your questions. So if you have a question, you can head over to the podcast page on our website, thecoophomeschool.com. And fill out the contact page, or you can email us mamahens at thecoophomeschool.com. All right, well, thanks for sharing uh, what a co op is. Thanks for listening. We love your support. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave a rating and review to let us know how we're doing, and share our podcast with your friends who need a little community, humility, and joyful fun in homeschooling.